Welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about pesticide safety here from the Morton studio today. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Brian, you know, pesticide safety is one that we get a lot of feedback doing our radio show, TV show, and just some of the appearances we do from the general public about just questions. And, and a lot of them are honest, legit questions of, okay, I hear a lot of stuff about pesticides and there are a lot of people scared. You guys seem to be comfortable with things. You know, what's what's the real scoop? Yep. Are you there, Brent? Yep. So, yeah, that was pretty nice wording that you used there, Darren. We get in our... Yeah, Brian's, Brian's cutting out here a little bit on us. Um, you know, when when we think about that, I guess we look at so Brian and I are are not uh, not twenty years old anymore. We've been around for a while, and I know we've been involved with farming and with a lot of the different pesticides on the farm since we were kids. We we grew up with a healthy respect for products that were dangerous. We also grew up with training on the farm too, just from our dad about here's how you determine safety levels on different products. And, and here's, you know, the appropriate methods to, to use products in a safe manner. And I, I think that was really valuable for us that we did respect, Hey, there are some things that are too dangerous for us to be using or too dangerous for us to be around. And there are other things that, that really aren't that we can use in a safe way. All right, Brian, we'll give you another shot. Yeah. The good- yeah, so hopefully I have a little better cell phone connection now. But, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of pesticides out there, and there is a lot of variance in safety from one to the next. And I think what many people forget is there are a lot of natural pesticides. I, I, I mean, I think about, like, the chrysanthemum flower, that it has the ability to kill insects. And, I, I mean, most everybody I talk to is, is like, what? No. Yes. And that's where the pyrethroid chemistry of insecticides came from. So it's the chrysanthemum flower. And I, I think about the callistamone tree creating what is now known as callisto herbicide. Well, there are so many things now that are natural. So a lot of the, the really dangerous stuff has been pulled from the market. A lot of those things were older. And, and yeah, we, we were much more concerned then. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned always about anything. But I, I'm just saying what we have today to work with on the farm is so much better than just a generation ago. That part's exciting to me. Well, it's been fun, too, over the years, Brian, to get to meet a lot of the people doing the research on this um, from really around the world. What are you looking at for safety? What types of sources are you finding products from and that's been really eye-opening to me, and it's been something that we share on the show a lot, just how, hey, this was actually developed. Like one of the, the most common fungicides being used for disease control was actually developed from a wood-rotting fungus, just something that's out there in nature, and they happen to notice, wow, there's no disease problems around that, and why not use that? And and when we find trees that naturally fight off with allelopathy, fight off 
weed competition around them. If we can utilize those things that are in nature that have been working for right. for many, many years and they're safe and natural, that's pretty cool to, to find things like that. So I love how far right. science has come to be able to identify these these different sources that we can utilize for crop protection and, and put them to use. Right. Now, let's talk about one of my least favorite words in simply how it's now used, sustainability. People want to talk about sustainability, and all of a sudden, sustainability is synonymous with you can't use pesticides or fertilizer or uh, biotechnology of any kind. And I'm going, wait a second here. Uh, it seems very sustainable to me right now to use many of these what we consider relatively safe pesticides out there. We're producing way more yield. We're getting way bigger roots, which means then we have way healthier soil. So I don't think that those two things should be synonymous. And I'm not saying we want to go dumping, you know, thousands of pounds of pesticides per acre, but to use a few ounces of pesticide per acre per year is not a big deal for a lot of the products that we're using. And that's way more sustainable than suffering massive yield hits. And, you know, to go, to take that one step further, what a lot of people don't realize is if a plant is under stress, it produces more natural carcinogens. That's a proven fact. Same basic thing happens in the human body. That's why your doctor tells you all the time, hey, reduce your stress. You're going to be a lot healthier. It's the exact same thing with plants. So if you don't get the weeds, the insects, and the diseases under control somehow, some way, then your plant is under more stress. It absolutely will produce more natural carcinogens. That's a proven fact. Well, there's no doubt about it. Plants are trying to fight these things off on their own. And that's all we're trying to do with crop protection is reduce stress on the crop. And we want to do it in a healthy and safe way because many farmers, and and I know you talk about this a lot, Brian, hey, we're taking our spray water out of this well. We're drinking out of this well. So many farmers that we talk to on the show say, why on earth would I pollute anything that my family is right here? I'm raising my kids right here on this farm. I want it to be safe. And also, also we're talking about family operations on just about all the farms around the country. Yes, there there are some that may not be, but there's a lot of farms that have family members from multiple generations involved on that farm. We're fortunate enough to be fourth generation farmers on our farm operation and farming some of the same ground that our great grandpa farmed. I, yes, I agree with you, Darren. But the thing is, people say, well, it's all these corporations that are farming the ground. Well, yeah, they're farm family corporation, just like our own farm. We have an LLC set up because there's no lawyer in the world you talk to that's going to tell you, oh, just do a simple partnership with each person in your family. They always will tell you, set up an LLC or an S-Corp or something like that. So technically it's a corporation, but it's still our family. All right, we're going to talk about pesticide safety on our show today and also answer your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag phd we'll be right back did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating the right management plan makes all the difference keep your beans safe this spring with heads up seed treatment Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. 
Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about safety on today's show, We're talking about pesticide safety. But as we get into spring planting and, and spring tillage, spring fertilizer work, I mean, you can put spring in front of almost everything that happens on the farm because, man, it is a very busy time. This next month is going to be a lot of activity going on across all the farming regions. And and it's real happy to have Isaiah with us right now as a farmer, but also a state trooper, just to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that he keeps in mind for safety and just some tips for you heading into the spring. Isaiah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Darren. You know, okay, you farm too, and I, I love this. So, And we have so many farmers that have to wear multiple hats, whether it's, well, I also have a livestock operation and I have crop farming, or maybe I have a full-time job like you do, and, and I've got a farm. So that means you're working a lot of weekends, you're working a lot of nights, uh, you're, you're burning both ends here at the candle. So talk to us about how you make sure that you stay safe on your farm operation, and then just some other tips you've got seeing a lot of other farmers out there well a couple of things that uh that i like to look at uh first of all is uh not even equipment related but um making sure that you're getting enough rest um and that's uh that's a challenge i know when when you know it's raining now and we had a couple beautiful days leading up to this rain there was a lot of guys pushing to get some things done uh, but just making sure that you're getting enough rest because uh, if we're fatigued we don't make good decisions our reaction time slows down even more and uh and you know when you're when you're driving down the road whether you're operating machinery operating a vehicle um you know that's when accidents can happen is when we aren't uh when we aren't uh, as sharp as we should be mentally and and then the next thing is uh from the farm operations just making sure my equipment is in order um and a couple of the things that <clears throat> that i always look at is the the you know the flashers on the on the equipment and the newer equipment comes uh pretty well set up with you know, with uh, the warning beacons and the and the different flashers that are highly visible, but some of that older equipment has that older technology on there. And one thing that I did on my uh, with my farm, some of the older 
equipment that I run is I uh, upgraded all of that stuff to LED flashers. Um, they're just brighter, um, more visible, and, and uh, you know, doing more than just what the bare minimum uh, requirement would be um, to make sure that I'm seen if I, if I myself or if I have somebody operating that machinery on the roadway. You know, just working around equipment, too, at night, Isaiah, I know for us with our grain cart in the fall at harvest time, just adding those LED lights on there, it was a lot safer for us just working around in the field, too, with that kind of lighting. Yeah, that uh, that technology has come a long ways from the old halogen bulbs that were on my 1972 40 20 when i put the uh when i when i when i put the uh leds on there boy i could really see hey now don't now don't get me wrong isaiah i'm i'm all for having stuff being original equipment and well taken care of i'm all for that but when there are safety upgrades like this that make it so much more uh easy to work around and safer as you're heading down the road i'm all for it i i agree completely because we do a lot of work after dark yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, you know, the mainly when our biggest problem is with uh, public safety is when we have to transport that machinery down the road, and uh, that's where those extra flashers, um, you know, adding a adding a beacon on top of the equipment, of you know, a strobe or some sort, um, can help with that uh, visibility, so that the motorists who maybe aren't paying as close of attention as they should be. Uh, maybe maybe that catches their attention so that we can avoid a collision. We are, we already had one so far this spring in Minnesota where we had a, a collision involving a farm tractor um, where unfortunately somebody died. So we have to keep safety on the forefront because you just never know. You got to do everything you can to make sure that uh, you know that you're minimizing your risk out there. Yeah, Isaiah knows what he's talking about here. We're talking to Isaiah. He's a farmer and also a state trooper in Minnesota. Uh, Isaiah, thank you so much. We really appreciate what you do. We really appreciate that you're working to keep us all safe out there on the roads. So have a safe spring, and and thanks for your help. Yeah, thank you, and have a, have a great and safe spring. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's head over to Ohio. We've got Marianne Rose with us with Ohio State University to talk a little about pesticide safety, too. Marianne, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I feel pretty fortunate to have Isaiah on to, to talk uh, about just safety on the roads and some things that we can do. But I, I think about all the pesticides that we're using out in the field, all the folks that are transporting those to and from fields and from dealerships. Uh, there, there's certainly some things we got to keep in mind. Well, most definitely, um, keeping the, paying attention to security of the pesticides, making sure they're not rolling around the back of your truck. So when you mention uh, transportation, that's a very important point with pesticides. Yeah, you mentioned the the just securing them down, the strapping and so forth, and whether we're hauling seed or ag chem or, or any supplies out to the field. This is one thing that I notice, and, and I've been around this since I was a kid, and, and I, I remember when my dad first trusted me to drive the pickup and haul some things here and there, and he would always talk to me about that strap it down strap it down and i know i would try to cut some corners because hey it's more work and it takes more time and we're in a big hurry but he, he would always say look all you have to do is have one accident out there and all your five minutes of time here and there you're going to forget about those five minutes that you saved because something went wrong absolutely and uh you know if you take have it back in your truck and you take off for lunch you got to think about the liability issues too you don't want to leave pesticides in the back of a truck unsupervised 
Now, when you when you think about this, uh, in the state of Ohio, obviously a, a big farm state, and and also you've got some big population centers. Do you see some differences uh, for for management and just tips that you have as you get closer to some of those bigger cities? Uh, you mean with respect to drift? Well, you've got drift concerns, and, and you also mentioned just ha- even having pesticides in the back of the truck that's probably sitting at the edge of the field, those kinds of things. Well, yes. I mean, the more that you get closer to cities and closer to the people, the more that you have to be concerned with those liability issues and that the pesticides could fall into the hands of someone who might do mischief with them. So if, if that's what you, you meant by that, I, I certainly agree that that's uh, more a concern uh, the more populated areas that you're working in. Now, with the Pesticide Safety Education Program, uh, what are some of the key topics there that that you find every year we all just need a good refresher on? Okay, well, starting at the top, um, the two most basic things I always finish just about every presentation with is that you just have to read the pesticide label and follow the pesticide label. I mean, those are the two most basic uh, pieces of advice. And I know looking at a 40-page label, some of those ag labels are really long. It can be quite daunting. But it really is important that you read those precautions, those directions for use. Now, if it is 40 pages, maybe 30 of those are 40 different crops. You may not have to read information about every crop. You need to read the directions for use for your crop. But you also absolutely have to read the other sections of the pesticide label. Um, So don't skimp. Read the label. You know, that's a, um, that's other a great things, tip. Yeah, and then you have to wear the personal protective equipment that's required on that pesticide label. And for ag products, some people are going to groan when they hear this, but for conventional ag pesticides, that's going to start with a long sleeve shirt, long pants, shoes, and socks. Yes, and it doesn't seem like you're asking for a lot there, but I know, again, here's people trying to, to cut corners and save time. My dad always talked to us about it this way, Marianne. He said it, the dose makes the poison on so many of these things, and he said, just think about it. You're handling this stuff all day for several days. This isn't just a one-time exposure, and you're out there working, you're sweating, all these kinds of things. You're you're maybe away from a place where you, you can wash your hands really good, but you got to be smart. You got to wear gloves. You got to wear goggles where you need to because stuff's blowing around out in the field too, especially if you're working with some of the dry products. We're, we're talking with Marianne Rose here with Ohio State University. Great tips. Read the pesticide label. Follow that label. Certainly wear the personal protective equipment as well as required. Marianne, thank you so much. Really appreciate the refresher and thanks for what you do. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, me, it was for us as well. We're talking about pesticide safety on our show today. Super, super important topic. We'll be right back after this. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. 
New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is, profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support, let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are discussing pesticide safety on the show. Very important topic. We're getting into the spring season here. A lot of pre-emerge herbicides going out there. We've got cover crops getting burned down. We've got burned down applications making or going on right now in some no-till acres. Uh, just a, a lot of things. The other thing, Brian, that we haven't gotten into, and I, I think this one will hit home for about everybody too. If you've got a lawn or if you've got... Uh, some grass around your farmyard that you care about and you don't want it to look terrible, you're probably going to spray some stuff out there. And I just think about the safety of spraying a 2,4-D type product versus a dicamba versus stinger. I see a lot of different farm yep. operations using some of these other products that I wouldn't personally recommend to be used in a backpack okay. sprayer and going out by hand. All right. Yep. 
Yep, let's stop right there. Okay, so Stinger, absolutely don't ever spray that in a backpack sprayer. That can be really hard on your eyes. You get that in your eyes, and it's bad news. So do not ever spray Stinger in a backpack sprayer, or for that matter, even if you're out there driving a four-wheeler, you better have fantastic eye protection because that is not a product you use that way. Now, is it going to kill a person? No way. No, it's not going to. I mean, it'd take a tremendous dose. So that's not the issue. The issue is simply your eyes. So that's that one. Dicamba, that's got benzene in it. Now, gasoline has a crazy amount of benzene in it, and benzene is a proven cancer causer. Okay, So that's why you should always wear personal protective equipment when you're pumping your own gas, and you're probably going to laugh when I say that, but gasoline is one of the most dangerous substances you will ever come in contact with. You take a sip of gasoline, you're most likely dead. But, I, I mean, I have no idea why we even allow gasoline anymore when we have ethanol and biodiesel. Use that. That's safe. But gasoline, terribly dangerous. Anyway, dicamba has a little bit of benzene in there. So am I that worried about it? No. But would I spray it myself with a backpack sprayer? Not a chance in the world. Just use 2,4-D and use the good new 2,4-D that's safer to humans and way safer in terms of reduced volatility and drift. Freelex. Just use Freelex. Does it cost a hair more? Yes, but it's almost nothing. So get Freelex. That's the way to go for the. That's the new 2,4-D. So a lot of this stuff when it comes to pesticide safety too is just common sense. Wear gloves. Wear rubber gloves, not leather gloves. Wear rubber boots. Uh, I, I mean, just get yourself a Tyvek suit or something. And, I mean, use some common sense. Keep it off your body, and you're going to be just fine. Most of the products that we recommend spraying are very safe to humans anyway, and pets, by the way, and livestock and everything. But y- you still have to use common sense and just make sure you're not getting some enormous dose in or on your body. And if you do, you got to get it rinsed off right away. Don't say, well, I'll yes. take care of that when I get done spraying. No, do it right now. Yep, wear the right personal protective equipment, and then you're you're absolutely right. If there's a spill, if you get a little bit on your skin, just get it washed off right away, and and you're going to be fine. It, it's just, yeah, if you're out in the middle of a field and you say, ah, it's, it's inconvenient, most new sprayers now have got a small tank of clean water as well. So you've got an option there just in case there's ever a problem. The other thing, Brian, I think about, so spraying lawns is a big one. The other, the other one is grain bins. Now, with the price of grain, I don't know how much grain is going to sit in bins very long this year, which is probably a good thing. But when grain does sit in bins for a while, a lot of times we'll see some insects get in there eventually. And this is something I don't recommend farmers try to treat themselves. I recommend hiring somebody just for safety reasons. Well, here's what we do recommend doing yourself. Before you ever put grain in the bin, clean it out well, make sure it's sealed up well, and then in your bin, you can spray, we usually will recommend some kind of combination of a pyrethroid and malathion, and you spray the sides, the floor, everything else, get out of there, seal it up, done. The big thing is the prevention of having a big bug problem, because yeah, to your point, Darren, it is harsh, bad stuff that you have to put in that bin afterwards to kill bugs later. So we've never had to do that on our farm, and it's only because we're just kind of sticklers on our farm. Like, look, I mean, we need it perfectly clean. We need it, uh, you know, sealed up very well, 
and we have to spray every bin with insecticide every fall before we fill it up with corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is. And then we try to get that out in a timely fashion. A lot of times we'll haul grain out in the winter or the spring. There's some that'll staple summer, and I'm not saying you can't do that, but you just the, the sooner you get out, get it out, the fewer problems you're going to have. All right, Brand. One other thing that I was thinking about too, with the shortage of Roundup in some areas this year, that there are some farmers who'll be using Gramoxone for the first time. And this is one of the more dangerous pesticides that we work with. And especially yep. when we get into some areas where farmers may not have a cab on the sprayer, that's one I'd say if you don't have a cab on the sprayer with a good air filter system, I don't think I'd spray that one. No, you absolutely can't use it. Uh, there are new laws governing Gramoxone. You have to, and all paraquats, you have to use a closed handling system and you have to stay away from the stuff because, yeah, it's, similar in toxicity to what gasoline is. So again, people, I still don't get it, uh, will pump gasoline in their car with their bare hands and not even think about it. And then they go eat food. And I mean, that's, that's terrible for you. So Gramoxone, basically same thing. So just stay away from it. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned the Roundup shortage or glyphosate shortage in general. And there is, it's tight, but we've got the same thing with Liberty and glufosinate happening too. So if you haven't picked up your Roundup, you haven't picked up your Liberty or the generics, I go get them today. Go get them today. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to run out. And there are a lot of things. I mean, you're seeing it all through the world. There are just products where, oh, we've always had that. And then all of a sudden it runs out. And you go, no world. How, how can I not get a sheet of plywood? How do I not get a two by four or, you know, some uh, a doorknob or, or whatever else? It's just it's kind of crazy times. And this will all straighten out. It's mainly logistical issues. Once they get these logistical things solved in the next maybe two, three months, we'll be back to pretty good shape again. But in the meantime, we got to raise a crop. And so where Darren's going with this is if you're using something you're not used to spraying, make sure you know what it is, how you should be using it. And then, again, just wear personal protective equipment. We just want you to use it safely. And, I mean, most everything is fine. I mean, these products are labeled for a reason. They're, they're safe enough to be used, just used in the right fashion. All right. We had Isaiah on, who's a state trooper and a farmer earlier in the show, and he was talking about some of the road safety things here as well. And I think this is a big deal because we get in a rush, we work long hours, we've got a lot going on and a lot of things to think about. Just got to make sure that you've got equipment working well, that we've got flashers, a beacon on top of the equipment if possible, working taillights, all those kinds of things. And then just where do you drive on the road to? We, we hear from non-farmers that say, oh, why don't you drive over on the shoulder? Well, that's not safe and it's not legal. That's not what we're supposed to be doing on the roads. Okay, let me throw out one other thing at you. If you're driving a semi, which most farmers at one point or another do, you can't drive as close to the vehicles in front of you as a car. I literally almost, well, we were talking just three minutes ago, almost had a semi want to rear end me. And the reason why is because he was following way too close. There was a car in front of me that had to slow down to turn. I slowed down like I normally would. Now, fortunately, there was a turning lane next to me, and I saw it, and I saw the semi pull over, and I'm like, ooh, thank goodness. But he was just simply too close. you got to stay further back when you've got a semi and you can't slow down like a car can. 
That's for sure. So just keep those things in mind. And and the other thing that we always talk to non-farmers about and farmers alike is when you see farm traffic out on the road, and yes, it's going to be moving a lot slower than you would like it to be. It's not moving as fast as cars. But just keep in mind, most farmers are only going just a a few miles away from their farm. So literally you've got just a few minutes of having to slow down and then everything's back to normal again. We don't normally see tractors driving down the road for 20 or 30 miles. So most of the time they're just heading a mile down the road. And you also have to kind of keep in mind, they're going to be turning into a field approach at some point. So it might not be the, the normal intersection at the end of the mile that they're going to be turning into. So you just have to kind of be alert for some different things that then you're used to seeing out there. Talking about safety and pesticide safety on our show today, we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. Ahem. <coughs> It's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct NextGen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. 
My name is Kim. I'm a farmer and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Back you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We are in the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Got this from Maurice, who said, occasionally, you guys are talking about organic matter and how tillage reducing tillage helps you build organic matter in soils. Just wanted to mention that occasionally tillage is required for very wet soils that get heavily compacted and also in sandy soils with low porosity. And we found de-leveling fields can also help with water retention. Well, thanks for the for the heads up there, Maurice. We appreciate that. And yeah, as we talk about that, Brian, you don't have to do no-till to build organic matter. We're just saying that reducing that tillage a little bit can help you more so than if you're doing full-scale tillage. Well, and and you said thanks for the heads up. I, I mean, every option to do this, and we've talked about this many times on the show, just like you said, no-till is not the only way to farm. It is a way to farm, and a lot of people like that way, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you actually can reduce compaction by using certain cover crops, and you can improve porosity by adding t- drain tile, by uh, helping uh, in, or by increasing your calcium levels, increasing your organic matter. I mean, there are lots of things to do, lots of ways to farm. So anyway, yes, um, we certainly understand that this is not the only way. But I would say this, when you are reducing your tillage, we're not saying you have to go no-till, but at least reducing your tillage, there's a better chance that you're going to increase soil organic matter level levels. And if that's one of your goals, that's just one of the easier ways to get there. Okay. Uh, let's take the next one. This comes from Paul in California. And he said, I got a job trying to renovate a sod bound irrigation pasture. He said, I tried to use a disc to break up the sod to try to level out some of the wheel tracks that were out there. But I found that disking overworked the soil while leaving chunks of sod on the surface. I'm wondering if a vertical tillage or a one-pass tool might do a better job for me. Well, one-pass is going to be awful tough. So we have also taken some pasture ground out and put it into cropland. And a lot of times what we end up doing is running over it with some kind of tillage like that, a vertical till machine. But we've tried about everything under the sun. There's nothing perfect. There's just flat out going to be a lot of sod left there unless you're going to mow board plow and then continue working it after that. I wouldn't get that worried about it. It's not like it's that big a deal. Usually what we end up doing anymore is we spray the grass off, kill it, and then we go out and do that kind of tillage, mainly just for leveling. That's usually the reason why we're doing it. We'd also encourage you soil test because just like we were saying a minute ago, calcium levels are really important. And if you get good calcium levels in that soil, then it's going to be better for soil porosity, but just better for overall soil health as you move forward. 
All right. Thanks for the question, Paul. And and yeah, when you've got wheel tracks out there, that that makes it really tough. It's not something where a person could no-till it and hope that you're going to get those wheel tracks to at some point straighten up. I, I found it interesting just through our region, there were a lot of wagons, covered wagons that moved way back uh, hundreds of years ago or, or more than 100 years ago, I should say. And some of those tracks can still be found through virgin grasslands that they've just never healed up. So you're right. You're probably going to have to do some tillage to try to fix those. All right. Thanks, Paul. Uh, get this one from Mark. He's a farm manager down in the state of Iowa. He said, I'm in the process of trying to come up with a uniform way of recording and analyzing fertility data for rented land for owners and for tenants. There's so many ways and interpretations of soil tests that I wanted to narrow it down to a reasonable approach that would be widely accepted by industry standards and then leave it uh, down to some tweaking over the years. The data is not only valuable in operating land, but becoming more and more good documentation when a farm is sold. Routinely cash-rented farms and crop share have poor records and lousy, out-of-balance fertility. I know that the agronomists like my approach, and a lot of the farmers just don't want this oversight, though. The world's changed. I'm tired of the poor soil tests that I see out there. We know better, but just looking for ways to get started on this. Uh, any ideas there, Brian, for Mark? Well, ultimately, what it comes back to is the person who owns the ground deciding how they want their ground treated. So there are some landlords who say, hey, I just want to see a soil test every year, and we're going to monitor this. And when you get done farming my ground sometime, someday, you got to have at least the same fertility levels as when you started. Or we've also had it where there are landlords who say, you know what, I will pay for the fertility to get it up to a certain level. And now I'm requiring you to just simply maintain it. You don't have to increase it, but you just have to maintain it. So there are a lot of ways to handle that thing. And I, I, I applaud the efforts here. Yeah, it would be nice if there was some standardized thing, but that's going to be really hard because there are so many people who own land. And at least in the United States at this point, you're allowed to do, for the most part, what you want with your land within reason. Um, so I I anyway, I, I guess just keep us up to date on that. And if there's anything we can do to help you or if you need any advice or, or guidance, we're certainly here. All right. This feedback comes from Sandy, who says, I can't believe you guys are still promoting 2,4-D use. We had talked about using some 2,4-D to control a certain weed. And in the past, today we've been talking about pesticide safety. And 2,4-D and is one that we, we recommended as being a little bit more safe if you're using it properly and using the proper personal protective equipment. Uh, do you see any reasons why 2,4-D should not be used anymore, Brian? Well, Freelex or Enlist One, no. The old 2,4-D, sure. I mean, old 2,4-D is terrible for volatility and drift. So that, yes, is very concerning to me. But if we're talking about personal safety, um, the LD50 for even like 2,4-D Ami is something like 1,000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. If you look at caffeine, that is 200 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So in other words, it would take five times more 2,4-D to kill you than it would caffeine, and people are readily drinking caffeine every day. So am I that worried about 2,4-D from a safety standpoint? No. As long as you use it according to the label directions, you should be fine. 
Yeah. What do you, what about the new RLX uh, product that Dow's come out with? It's kind of a 240 replacement in some crops. Do you, do you see that as being an alternative too, that we find just other chemistries to replace it in general? Well, yeah, Elevore is what you're talking about. Uh, there's no point in even saying RLX because RLX doesn't exist as a product. But that product that you're mentioning is Elevore uh, that you could buy separately or you'll find it in several premixes. Um, is that relatively safe to humans? Yes. Uh, what I don't know off the top of my head, I don't remember what the LD50 is on that specifically. But, I mean, that is a, a good choice. It's certainly safer than what dicamba is and, and way safer than bromoxone or anything like that. Elevore is a burn-down product, and then they'll throw it in like wide match plus Elevore is wide R match. There's Pixaro that's Elevore plus, or the active ingredient from Elevore plus the active ingredient from Starane. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's more of that getting used, and it's the same chemical family as 2,4-D. But, I, I mean, in terms of safety, I just don't remember off the top of my head what the LD50 is, but I know it's relatively safe. All right. Uh, I got a question here from Harold. He said, I've got a soil pH around 7.7 to 8, and yet I don't seem to have any drainage issues to correct. Just wondering, what would be the best way to lower a soil pH in this case? Well, we got to see what's out of balance. Generally speaking, if the soil pH is 7.8, something in that soil is out of balance. So maybe the sodium's too high, maybe the magnesium is too high. I, I mean, maybe something else is too low. We'd really like to look at your soil test. A lot of times for us, when we've had high pH, it has been drainage. But then the other thing is our potassium has been too low. Our sulfur has been too low. Uh, our magnesium maybe has been too high. And so we've had to put some calcium out there, some sulfur, and, uh, you know, some potassium and some other nutrients. And once you start doing that, over a longer period of time, your pH will start to correct itself. Yeah, soil pH is just an indicator of the balance of nutrients out in your soil. And you're right, you may not have a drainage issue. You may have one nutrient or another that's just in high amounts or not nearly enough. So if you want to send us a full soil test, we'd gladly take a look. Thanks, Harold. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, 
Three no-excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. The Germinator Spike Design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed to soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. When it comes to effective herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Burnmaster, Scorch, and Spitfire for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Got this email from Guy in Hawaii. He said, our cation exchange capacity last year tested at 3.2, so really light soil. Said our year-to-date rainfall for 2021 has already passed 90 inches. We're on track for a 300-inch rainfall year in Hawaii. Our average is about 160 inches of rain per year. Wow, 160 inches per year. That's crazy. That's like almost a half an inch rain every day. He said, even though our situation is really different from yours, I think that I still learn a lot by watching your TV show. My fertilizer strategy is to use a small amount of fertilizer often. Since our soil can't hold much with that 3.2 cation exchange capacity, my plan is to have our trees, which are growing macadamia nuts, be the reservoir for nutrients, sort of like in the rainforest. So thanks for providing me the weekly dose of things to think about. Hey, thanks, guy. We really appreciate that. That's, you know, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of different soils and a lot of different climate conditions as you travel around, and you just have to make the adjustments to, to, have a successful crop and, and also have a positive impact on the environment around you. All right. Uh, got a question here that came in from Will in North Carolina. He said, uh, first of all, thanks for answering my question a month or two ago about fescue grass fertilization. I did some soil testing. It came back with low sulfur. I bought and applied the sulfur and now that crop looks fantastic. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Will. we really appreciate the feedback. Uh, he said, I've got another question for you now regarding pre-emerge grass and broadleaf weeds in ornamental beds. I'm planting annual color flowers, and I'm interested in using a yellow like trifluralin and also using isoxabin. 
otherwise known as snapshot or gallery that's that's used in the turf industry. He said, I've had instances of breakthrough where chickweed, uh, henbit, and other weeds destroyed my pretty flower areas. So for the summer, I want to keep these weeds out. If you use these pre's, would you till them in? I have a great fungicide fertility and humic slash biological program as well. And I only want to feed the flowers, not more weeds. Hey, thanks, Will. We really appreciate that. You know, trifluralin is one brand that gets used a lot. Uh, it's also known as preen. And I, I get messages from a lot of gardeners asking about preen or the active ingredient trifluralin. We use that in soybean fields and have since we were kids. Real popular chemistry. And you're right. That does have to get tilled in, Will, to, to work the best because it has a high vapor pressure. Now, granted, well, you're yeah, using those granules. Mind, that helps. In a small area. Yeah, if you're in a small area, you don't necessarily have to because you could water it immediately. So unless you're going to put, let's say, an inch or two of water on it immediately, then, yes, it would have to be tilled in. But, I, I mean, the reason why we say in a field you have to till it in is because you can't control when you're going out and spraying a 1,000 acres. I mean, are you really going to do that in 10 minutes like you could in this little spot and then immediately water it in? No, that's never going to happen. So... With, with a garden, I would look at it a little bit differently. But yes, I mean, tillage is great. It's just you could, with enough water and immediate water, be okay that way too. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one uh, from WW, uh, who was looking at our soils, and we were talking about um, side dressing and putting on nitrogen in this particular uh YouTube segment that he was watching, but he, he mentions, wow, black soil, how many tons of biochar were added to that soil? You know, I, I don't know if you're serious or, or kidding us on that question. We have not added any biochar. That's what soil looks like here. But one, we get a lot of questions about that, Brian, with the color of soil. It certainly varies as we travel around the United States and as we travel around the world. We see different colors of soil. I know as we build up organic matter in our soils, they get darker. And that's one thing that we do see here. So it's something that we've been working on for really our whole lives, trying to build up the organic matter in our soil so there would be more of a home for microbes in the soil better holding capacity for water and nutrients. It's just been a really good thing on our farm. Okay, but that, I think that's a little bit generous. We haven't been working on this our whole lives. We've really only been working on it probably the last 15 years. So I, I don't never know. never a discussion when our I don't know that I'd say that, Brian. I would say that since the 1990s. I'd say since the 1990s we've been working. Yes, as, as long as we've been able to make decisions on the farm. So certainly in the 1990s, we made big changes to our tillage program and those types of things. So it's been it's been longer than you think. Well, maybe. But I, all I'm getting at here is like when we were growing up on the farm, organic matter was not really a topic. Healthy soils was not really a topic. I, I mean, it was, hey, we got to kill the weeds. We got to kill the weeds. We have to leave a good seedbed. Those were the, the, the much bigger factors. So... It, and I think that's just as far, farmers as a whole have been looking at that, more focused on that lately, because we see the benefits to organic matter. I, you know, honestly, I don't really care what color my soil is. I just want it to be very productive and healthy. But to your point, yes, the more organic matter you have, typically the darker the soil. 
Okay, got a question here from Brandon in Ohio. He said, I've got some new ground that I've been farming for the last couple of years, and it's getting taken over by autumn olives or uh, some a species fairly similar to Russian olives. He said it's an invasive species here in Ohio. It, those trees can grow over 30 feet tall if left unattended. I've been able to eradicate most of the autumn olive population by doing heavy tillage, but then I'm left with massive rip balls in the field to pick up. Just wondering, are there any herbicides that kill these olive trees? I've got 100 acres left to clean up, and this ground I intend to use for a corn and soybean rotation. All right. Uh, well, for, uh, first of all, Brandon, yeah. a lot of the products that, that get used to kill trees are used in pasture ground and not necessarily in corn and soybean ground. And soybeans tend to be pretty uh, intolerant to some of those herbicides, like Tordon, for example. Right. It lasts a long time yeah, in the soil. It's very hard and broadleaf. Spike, chaparral. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of herbicides that do get used, but they none of those can be used in soybeans. So what about things like remedy in that type of rotation? Or what if uh, instead of that corn-soybean rotation, we right. went to a corn-wheat rotation for a few years? What would you yeah, think of that? I, I, don't remember what, I don't remember what the plant back is with Remedy Ultra, but that has virtually no residual. So, yes, that would certainly be an option. So let's say it was fall you know, or very early spring. Could you do something then? Yes. I, I mean – what you said a minute ago was we don't typically see trees out in, in crop fields. We don't. All we see is the tiny little seedlings, and, yeah, that's where we're doing tips that takes care of that. Or even just spraying a normal, like, Roundup application, you'll knock the leaves off. You won't necessarily kill the tree, but at least the tree doesn't get any further. And then when you go to your tillage at some point, then that cleans them up. So, yeah, we, we don't typically talk about that out in crop ground, but... Yes, there are crops that poured on would be labeled on, so you could potentially do that. So usually we're talking about some kind of grass crop. Yeah, and, and the way it sounds, too, just from the way the question was worded there, Brandon, that you may have broken up some old pasture ground or something like that and, and are starting to farm it. So I, I certainly get it. You're going to have some unusual weeds there for a while until uh, you yeah, get into that regular time. rotation. So, yeah, in, in the short term, uh, if you – break those up with tillage and yeah you, you go pick up rip balls at least you know you can start cropping out there right away all right thanks for the thanks for the questions really appreciate that um we got a question in uh this is from belgit who says i've got a soil ph of 8.4 my phosphorus is at 22 parts per million i'm growing wheat and cotton just wondering in a high ph soil Talk to me about phosphorus. Is that phosphorus available to me? And what would you need to know uh, in order to make a recommendation? Well, that's usually where we talk more about products like Avail that could keep the phosphorus available longer. But, you know, one of the big ways you overcome it is just by putting on a whole bunch more phosphorus. That's a low level of phosphorus right now. And then you also want to look at what is in in what is not in balance in your soil that's causing that pH to go so high. So if you want to send us your soil test, we can probably give it a little better answer. 
Yeah, thanks, Baljeet. Really appreciate that and appreciate your interest. We, we definitely would love to help you. We, we need to see a complete soil analysis to try to figure out why is that soil pH high. And in a lot of cases, what's going to get tied up is already tied up, but you can overcome some of that by banding nutrients close to the row in, in a row crop like cotton, for example, to try to keep that phosphorus a little bit more concentrated so the root system has a better chance to come in contact with it. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.